it's not only about nature. It's the connection between na nature and people and human well-being. We're all part of the same planet, and if we destroy it, then we're destroying ourselves. Hi there, and welcome to the ninth episode of the UN Job Funded Career Podcast by Intolma. My name is Magnus Pucht, and for those of you listening to this podcast for the first time, this is a show for people who are interested in a career within the international development sector. Working for international organizations such as the United Nations, European Union, development banks, intergovernmental or non-governmental organizations. We're talking to people who are having a remarkable career in this field, trying to get their stories about how they once entered, choices that they've made, challenges that they faced, and not least to hear what kind of advice they can share with us. Up till now you've been hearing interviews with people in senior management positions, but now we'll also start hearing some stories from people who are on the operations side and doing the work in these organizations. This is of course to hear more examples of what their days looks like, what it is that they are really doing and things that maybe frustrates them, but also excites them. We also make sure that we touch upon how they started their career and their personal tips. Today I have the pleasure to talk to Sonia Pena from IUCN, the International Union for Conservation of Nature. In episode 5 we had Saeed Ali, who then was the Global HR Director for IUCN as a guest. And now Sonia will give us a complementing perspective of IUCN, and in the beginning of 2016 there will be more to follow. IUCN is the world's largest environmental organization and are really covering the environmental challenges from every angle. What few people maybe know is that IUCN is not only the largest environmental organization, but it was also the first global environmental organization founded already back in 1948. Today, IUCN's work is supported by over 1,000 staff members in 45 offices and they have hundreds of partners in the public, NGO and private sectors all around the world. Their headquarters um, is in Glan in Switzerland, and this is also where Sonia works as a senior policy officer, and where she has to deal with the complex challenges of reaching global policies in the area of biodiversity, which are relevant and directed to and for decision makers around the world. So you will hear more about her and IUCN's work in this area during the interview. Sonia has also written some great blog posts about her work, which you can easily find on unjobfinder.org forward slash podcast, together with the show notes and the full transcript of this episode. So without further ado, let's get right into the interview. to talk to Sonia Pena from IUCN. Sonia, welcome to the You and Your Point of Career podcast. Hello, how are you? Great, thank you for being with us. No so problem. Sonia, great, Sonia, you've been um, working, starting your career with the governmental offices in, in Colombia. Yeah. And now you've been working with IUCN for 13 years. Yeah. yeah. So tell us, wh what is it that you are doing? 
So um, just to go back a bit to the Ministry of Environment of Colombia, um, my job there was mostly related to liaising with national entities willing to uh, propose international projects for cooperation, let's say, presenting uh, projects uh, on nature conservation, uh, environmental conservation to uh, international donors. So I was pretty much uh, helping them put those projects together. It meant a lot of traveling around the country. It also meant uh, liaising with lots of people uh, internationally and also nationally. And then um, that lasted only two years. Uh, I went off, uh, my decision was to study abroad. I came to Switzerland, did my master's degree on international relations and then decided to stay over uh, to find some good practice in the international world, in the UN perhaps, an international organization, and I found uh, a job in IUCN 13 years ago. All right. I started as an intern, and here I am still in IUCN. <laughs> okay. You've had a long journey with, with IUCN. Exactly. Yeah. So if, if we go back even further, how, how did you get your interest in, in international development or international relations? Well, and, uh, and the environment as well. Uh, I think it all comes uh, together um, as, I don't know, a personal uh, connection with uh, social issues and at the same time with nature itself. Um, I'm a political scientist by training, so de facto I like uh, social uh, studies, I like uh, politics, I like uh, policy, but also uh, I find that a lot of the problems of uh, today's world are, con are connected mm -hmm. to the lack of and then that's going to sound strange, but the lack of connection with nature. Mm. Uh, or the lack of linkages with, uh, yeah, our natural world. So it all gets into a mixed bag of interests, uh, of uh, expectations about what you can do to change some of the situations you see on a daily basis. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I connected everything. And let's say I started, um, I, I studied actually political science and languages. Okay. because of my interest to connect to the world as well hmm. um, through literature, through, through culture, etc., the language itself. And then uh, also on, on the side of the environmental issues, um, it's, it's worth mentioning that my father actually worked uh, when I was born. He was working in the 70s in, uh, for Colombia's environmental agency at the time. There was no Ministry of Environment at the time. There was a, just a, like a national institute for environmental issues or nature, nature conservation. Hmm. And just as a, as a kid, I grew up with that example, let's say. And I guess it somehow influenced uh, my choice in life afterwards. And yeah. I really enjoy, you know, like that uh, mix uh, of... Uh, the connection with nature and uh, with social issues, mm. with human human beings. Ah, okay, okay. So we, um, so you moved from Colombia and you came to to Switzerland for your for your studies. And you exactly. said that you, you you found IUCN, you got an internship. How how did you actually get that internship with with IUCN? 
<laughs> like a lot of things in life uh, through uh, people, through other people. So um, I, uh, at the time, uh, a good friend of mine was working for the WTO, so the World Trade Organization for the, in the Colombian mission. Mm. And she knew already because of that, of her work, other people, other Colombian people <laughs> working for other international organizations. Right. So she said, well, now that you're finishing your master's, uh, if you want, I can put you in contact with so-and-so. And, and so she did. Um, several people that were uh, placed in, in different organizations in Geneva. Um, and one person in particular put me in contact with another person in IUCN. Oh, and okay. Because of my job in the Ministry of Environment before, I already knew what IUCN was. I was actually managing sort of uh, or following the dossier of IUCN in my, in my office in, in the Ministry of Environment in Colombia. So I already knew that it existed, that it was here in, uh, in this region. Um, so I said, oh, okay, why not? That interests me, that is, it's, it's really like that connection that I want. Hmm. Um, I had another um, contact, contact in a, in a trade-related um, organization, and I really didn't want to pursue that avenue. I wanted to stick with the environmental issues. So uh, I went ahead and contacted the people in IUCN, um, and one, one person called me back and said, hey, if you're interested, come over, uh, let's have a coffee. Uh, you know the place, and if there's something, I'll let you know. Yeah. So I did that. I went over, um, um, met this person, had a coffee, and and so he said, "Well, actually, if you're interested, you can start tomorrow." <laughs> okay. So was that? But, yeah. During your studies, or had you already? No, graduated? I had already finished. Yeah. Okay. I was about to finish my, um, yeah, uh, formally received the diploma and everything. So and I, I was actually heading uh, back to Colombia for Christmas. It was at the end of the year. Mm. Uh, and so he said, well, when you come back, uh, just come back. <laughs> if okay. you're interested, you can start right away. So yeah, I started in February, February or March 2003. Oh, OK, nice. So, so what did you get to do as an intern? Uh, lots of things. <laughs> uh, not only photocopying, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, no, I had to follow a lot of, um, interesting enough, I didn't start in the policy um, unit at the mm. time. Because of what I was doing before in the Ministry of Environment, um, which was this international cooperation um, unit, mm. uh, dealing with donors, etc. I started in IUCN in the, by then it was called Donor Relations, um, office. Okay. So I started there, I think, eight months to one year, not more than that. Hmm. Then moved to the policy unit because that's the one that I was mostly interested on and where actually my skills are. Right. Um, so what I started doing as an intern, uh, following a lot of uh, uh, bits and pieces of uh, uh, donor strategies, for instance, putting together the profiles of uh, the donors IUCN was um, working, already working with, or potential, you know, do donors to approach. So um, forming, like doing a lot of research, let's say, to uh, investigate who were there, they, and who was the contact person, interests, uh, so that whenever we approach them, we would go with, a, with the right foot, let's say. Mm. 
present things that they would fund because they they were matching their their interests. So I did a lot of that. I put together, I helped put together a like a database with that uh, background research um, online, like so that it can be easily tracked back, uh, mm -hmm. etc. Mm. And uh, preparations, like lots of document preparations for for meetings that were held in IUCN with donors or partners. I think that was basically it. Mm. A lot of support uh, for like the the people that were working on that unit right yeah. yeah but it gave you i guess also a good sort of understanding of of iucn and and exactly your different stakeholders then exactly and yeah. a lot of also exposure to to those different types of uh, of people that uh, we deal with uh, as as iucn hmm. yeah. yeah okay and then you moved into the policy arena yeah. So, so tell us, what is it that you do? Or maybe start with, you started as a policy officer and then, then you mm -hmm. have now moved on to being a senior policy officer. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so what do you do with as or as senior policy officer? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do lots of things, but among the things that I do, and uh, the, most of the things are linked to coordinating people. So liaising with people, with experts, IUCN has a vast network of experts on different uh, issues, on different environmental aspects. And um, I do, since my job is um, liaising with these people, uh, bringing in like the science or the expertise that they, that they have, uh, translating that into a policy or a position paper that states what IUCN as a whole uh, thinks about uh, an issue in particular. It means a lot of um, learning. Like it's it's a day-to-day. -day, my day-to-day -day is uh, in that liaison or that linkages with other people. It's also learning about different issues. I'm not a specialist on marine issues. I'm not a specialist on water issues, on forest issues. But yet, somehow to communicate to these experts, I have to learn about those different issues. Of mm -hmm. course, not into great detail, but as much as I understand it and I am able to translate that and put that into a coherent policy document that talks to policymakers and decision makers, then that's fine. And so that's, that's, it, it, it means a lot of, uh, of that interaction. Um, also, a lot of, um, let's say, preparation for meetings. There's lots of, uh, in the policy world, there are lots of events and meetings and uh, processes that are ongoing. And so you have to track what happened in the past to inform what you're doing at the, in the present moment. And so you inform also, or you can change or influence the, what happens in the future, hmm. the decisions that are made around the issues that you're working on. Right. So it is um, a lot of, yeah, um, keeping track of things, things that are ongoing, but not forgetting what happened in the past as well. Yeah. So, so who are these policies for? You said decision makers and, and um, could you give more of an, of an example? Who are the ones using yeah. the IUCN policies? So for instance, um, a lot of the work that I do as um, policy officer or senior policy officer for biodiversity are, it's in the context of the Convention on Biological Diversity. This is a convention that has 
up to now 196 parties, so governments that are adhere to the, the convention and participate on the, on the meetings of the convention. And so uh, as IUCN, we, are, uh, we take a seat as an intergovernmental organization, as an observer to the meetings of this convention. And we, every time the parties to the convention meet in different settings, in the different um, meetings hosted uh, by, by the convention, we uh, um, participate, we propose, we, we propose decisions to be taken by the, the parties, by those governments that are meeting there um, on aspects of IUCN's work. To give you an example, on species conservation, for instance, um, there's lots, because of the work that IUCN does in monitoring the status of biodiversity and species in the world, mm. we are realizing that we're losing a lot of uh, or we're losing much more than we anticipated in the past. And this, the rate of biodiversity loss is accelerating really enormously. So if we want to convey that uh, message and to, to say, well, we actually need to do something and really do it quickly, because if not, then uh, we're going to lose it all. Right. Uh, and if we want to stress that message, we have to stress it in the right moment, so meaning that it has to go uh, in, packaged in, uh, in a certain way, but also uh, proposed in an, during an agenda item that is being discussed and it's relevant so that it's heard. It's taken on board, it's getting, it's get, it gets into the actual text of the decisions that are being taken. Mm. So we play a lot of with uh, play. I mean, it's not playing, but we 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 negotiate a right. lot in 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 terms of uh, how the language states what we want to say, mm. and how decisions uh, that inform the how action will go mm. uh, are in our best uh, interests. Right. And I say are, well, collectively, it's not uh, also, um, it's not only IUCN's interest. Of course, this is, we're talking about nature. And this is, uh, yeah, our life uh, support system, let's say. Mm. So, yeah, it's, 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 um, it's putting uh, the right information, inserting the right information that comes from the science and the expertise that I was talking about, but uh, telling it in a way that it, you know, people don't shut down and just say you're talking nonsense or or just or or say this is too complicated, we don't understand what you're saying, because that can happen as well. If you talk only in jargon, uh, scientific jargon or policy jargon, then nobody understands. Right. Uh, so it's yeah, crafting the message so that it is understood by the right people. And so it triggers some 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 action. Right. Being it, uh, I don't know, uh, an action plan for uh, halting the loss of biodiversity, for instance. Hmm. How, how does that look like? What does it have to have? What are the timelines, uh, etc.? So, hmm. yeah. Very important the, um, work, of course. Yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Very difficult sometimes as well. Yeah, that's interesting to hear. What is it that... The, um, I mean, I can understand that th this is exciting work. I mean, you're mm -hmm. trying to change major policies that will have an impact on the world. Um, but w what are the frustrating parts? Oh, well, one of the biggest challenges when you work um, 
on on this issue and where you coordinate people to you know have a greater impact and in an organization like IUCN it can be frustrating sometimes that you f you feel that you're herding cats like <laughs> right. like uh, sometimes people don't want to be coordinated they they don't want to speak in one voice they just want to do their own stuff and uh, and they are not yeah team players I mean, that's that's a fact. So sometimes that is challenging. It's challenging to be in a position to wanting to, you know, get everybody in the same page, get everybody coordinated and, 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 and producing something that is collectively developed. Mm -hmm. And yet sometimes you face some, some reticence and some uh, pushback by some people that, yeah, are even your colleagues sometimes do have this, this attitude. That can be a, a big challenge and really frustrating. And another side of the frustration could be, um, I was talking about uh, language and how we want to see some, some things in the decisions that are taken. Sometimes, yeah, uh, we don't uh, achieve what we want to achieve just because there are a lot of uh, politics behind, uh, behind those decisions. Right. So what comes out is not the ultimate and, and perfect outcome. So that can be frustrating if you want to say something and it is yet it doesn't go through and if the language in the end doesn't reflect the urgency of the matter, for instance, then that, that gets frustrating as well. Hmm. And how, how, how has that affected you? I mean, you've now been, thing, been doing this for a couple of years, so do you feel that, um, have you been able, how do you be able, can you keep your, your passion and, and, and energy into this when you, when you have to deal constantly with sort of political, <laughs> um, diplomatic um, processes? <laughs> yeah, I had that that comment by many many people. Like, how can you stand it? <laughs> but uh, I still find it fascinating. You know, like that uh, exchange uh, based on yeah, place a comma here, change that word for this one. You know, that type of thing. But it ultimately goes back to what's behind it. Right. So, and I learn a lot. I learn a lot every time I go to these uh, meetings. Sometimes, yeah, as I was saying, it's frustrating, but at the same time, uh, you learn to live with that, with that frustration and catalyze it through, you know, different avenues and so that it, it's made positive in a way. Hmm. If you play with the rules and if you know that things are like, like that, but you, I mean, yeah, you learn to live with it. I think it's it's still an, an enrich, enriching you know experience in the end. Hmm. I so, said I just studied languages, so I also enjoy that that fact that uh, right. you know some things can mean some others uh, in other languages or in the same language they can mean different things. Yeah. So is that playing with words so that you get the best outcome possible hmm. and interpreting that? Yeah, no, exactly. So so what does a typical work week or, or a month for you look like? I know that you, or I presume that you, you're traveling a lot. Yeah. So, well, the typical work week or, or a month, uh, and this won't, won't go as a surprise, uh, has to do with a lot of emails. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it is, um, yeah, it's disturbing how we depend a lot on, on communicating by emails and, you know, exchanging with people back and forth through this means, but 
hey, that's nowadays, I guess. So there's lots of that um, exchanging in that way, but it's also exchanging directly with people, um, calls, meetings, uh, conference calls, um, learning and, and sharing with people and experts, especially in the prepara preparatory phases of, uh, of these meetings I was talking about. There's lots of that coordination and that liaising with people uh, prior to the meetings, during the meetings, and afterwards to prepare, you know, the report and the follow-up uh, after. So that that is a constant uh, in my in my job. Mm. Also, uh, as I was saying before, it's also a follow-up of ongoing things. Mm. Uh, it doesn't mean if I go to a meeting, uh, I come back. Home, then I forget about what happens there. I prepare the report, release it, and that's it. No, you still have to see what was adopted in that meeting that will inform what's going to happen next. How do does um, I influence or change that? Do I uh, do something to follow up to certain of the of the decisions that were taken? IUCN as as an institution does any decision mention us? So, it, and if it does, how do we coordinate so that we deliver on what we're called to do? Mm. So there's a lot of that. And also, as you said, traveling. Um, sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less, but it means a lot of airports, a lot of planes, a lot of hotels, a lot of different food, different people, mm. uh, uh, different experiences, yeah. climates, weathers, etc. Um, sometimes it's hard. It is tough on, especially if you, uh, well, you have a family life and etc. It's it's tough when you travel a lot. Mm. But also, um, I enjoy it. I enjoy, you know, knowing the world like that. And if I wouldn't have been working in in this uh, field, I wouldn't have gone to the many places I've visited so far and and known, yeah, the wonderful things that are out there to to visit and to know about. Exactly. So, we, what would you say is is your proudest moment during your career in in policy? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I was saying that coordinating people is not an easy job, right? Mm -hmm. It's not an easy thing to do, and, and yet that's a big chunk of what I do. It's it's coordinating, and coordinating for um, participation at meetings. So. Back in 2010, there was a, um, the Convention on Biological Diversity um, had its 10th uh, meeting of the conference of the party. So all the governments that formed part of that um, convention were meeting, and it was a very uh, particular setting. There was a lot of things that were at stake. It was um, the meeting was uh, set to adopt a big. A plan to halt the loss of biodiversity altogether through a different, a series of uh, 20 different targets. We call those uh, the Aichi biodiversity targets. Aichi because that was in the Aichi prefecture in Japan where the meeting was taking place. Right. So it, there were lots of things at stake, uh, lots of things that were unresolved up to the moment that the meeting was taking place. Um, just a year before, so this was 2010, but the year before there was a uh, conference of the parties of the Climate Change Convention that was a complete, 
well, in international terms and international um, policy terms, it was a failure, so to say. Like a lot of people uh, got that as a big failure in terms of uh, multilateral uh, environmental issues. Mm. That was the Copenhagen uh, climate change uh, conference of the parties. And then, so we came to Japan to this other meeting. This was on biodiversity, but yet uh, people had that in the back of their minds what happened a year before. They were questioning whether uh, the parties to the Convention on Biological Diversity were up to the expectations of adopting this big and ambitious plan and whether it not everything will go as planned, let's say. Or, mm. So, and IUCN was participating in that meeting really strongly. We even opened a, a, an office in Tokyo to help in the preparations, help the government of uh, Japan in the preparations for that big meeting. We had a lot of ourselves in, uh, at stake in the preparatory work and during the meeting we were intensely involved. And uh, I mean, I, can, I, I must say we were 97 people <laughs> wearing the IUCN badge. So okay. if I go back to the coordination, yeah. uh, yeah, and coordinating this amount of people for a meeting like that, where there's lots of uh, things that, that are at stake and big expectations, wasn't easy. But yet, and I was in the, let's say, back office, uh, all the preparations and uh, the release of the, I think we did like 10 position papers, so, so meaning with the key uh, positions, uh, policy positions of IUCN and key messages for that meeting. Mm-hmm. So the coordination of the preparation of those, doc- those documents, the preparation of the delegation itself, the day-to-day life of the delegation there. Uh, we didn't have much sleep. Sometimes the, the negotiations were up until 4 a.m. or more. Um, uh, so it was, it was hard on every respect. At the end when we came back or even there when the final plenary ended at 3 a.m. and everybody was clapping in their, you know, in their seats yeah. and uh, it was a very joyful moment in the end because everything that we wanted to adopt was adopted in the end. Yeah. Uh, it was a big relief and when we came back uh, to the office uh, and everybody, you know, recognized that that was a job well done. Uh, that was really wonderful. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah. I mean, experiencing that over there, like seeing that, uh, yeah, there were moments where we said, okay, this is going to be a complete, you know, failure again. Mm. We're not going to make it out, up until the very mi- last minute. Uh, we didn't know if it was going to be uh, over with a positive result or not. And then, yeah, when it happened, it, it was very good. It was up to the expectations, let's say. Mm. And uh, for IUCN and for me personally, it was a very good, uh, proud, let's say, moment to be part of that and to to know that what I did somehow helped to 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 have that positive um, result in the end. All right, wonderful. No, I, I can imagine. So, so you, I mean, you said that you were ninety-seven from the IUCN delegation. Exactly. Yeah. And, and how many different stakeholders are actually part of, the, of this sort of final negotiations? Oh, well, um, that, that uh, I mean, participants or delegates to that uh, meeting, I think that the actual number was something uh, around 8,000 or something like that, really crazy. 
but um, in the final, let's say, um, discussions or actual negotiations, I don't think that there were more than, what, 200 people or something like that. Hmm. But we were not 97 there. Like, by the end, we were only a few. <laughs> Four team. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so, I mean, I can understand the challenges, and I think that our listeners can also understand the, really the challenges that you face when, in, in trying to get these policies through and implemented and decided. But, but hearing you, I think it, you're talking a lot about, a lot about coordination and mm -hmm. um, what, what would you say are the main, uh, what makes a good policy officer? Well, I think it is being very organized. Um, um, you have to anticipate a lot of the things that, that will happen next. And as I was saying before, track what happened before hmm. so that you are able to inform others that this is the way that things will go or most likely will go. Uh, so being very organized helps, um, keeping track of everything and, and being able to yeah, liaise with others with uh, some certainty that what I'm saying is actually what it is. Mm. Uh, I think that it's also uh, planning, you know, Pla um, it's, it's linked to the organization, but having a, a plan of what, where you're heading, what are you going to do, by when, uh, timeline, mm. that helps a lot, especially when you, I mean, for IUCN, for instance, we have as part of the IUCN internal policy, we have everything that we do and we release normally has to be uh, in the three IUCN official languages, for instance. Mm. So you have to count in um, the time that it gets to, to translate our position papers, for instance. Uh, you have to count that in your timeline for preparation of the meetings. You have to put everything online at least one month before the meetings, for instance. So planning and being organized helps a lot. Uh, I also think that it's, it helps, um, you know, being uh, open to hearing others and, and, and simply learning every day by, by everything you do or um, through everything that you uh, encounter. Mm. It might sound, you know, simple or silly, but um, I think that uh, for a, a policy person or somebody that is working on this field, it is important to keep, you know, um, always an open mind that uh, it's um, that things, even if uh, you plan them or uh, if you think that they are in one way or another, you also have to be some somehow flexible and adapt to to how the conditions come or how other people behave and what they think and what they bring into the mix that is important as well mm. great so so in in your job i mean you, you, you travel a lot you, mm -hmm. um, is working with policy is that something that because i know i know that you are based in the ICN headquarters in, in exactly. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have policy officers in, in other regional or the uh, national offices as well? Some do, some don't. So um, uh, it's interesting because the, 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 uh, us as, as the policy unit uh, based in headquarters were sent to coordinate with others in the regions and in the different thematic programs 
within headquarters for policy delivery, let's mm. say. Mm. And um, so sometimes uh, it facilitates the, the job or the linking up, the exchanges, if there is already somebody that is working on policy issues directly in the regional offices or in the different thematic programs. But that doesn't happen all the time. Although, if you go around IUCN and ask, do you, do, do you work on policy, everybody would say yes. <laughs> right. A lot of people uh, you know, have a sense that they do work on, on policy, and yeah, probably they do, but it's not their day-to-day -day work. So, so would you say that they're more contributing to the domain exactly. policies? Yeah. Exactly. And uh, as I said before, sometimes they don't, they, it, you know, coordinating with people that do not want to coordinate poses mm. a problem in terms of, uh, of uh, policy yeah, coherence, because we might be, you know, perceived as saying things that are not completely aligned with what other things that we've been saying elsewhere. So to give you an example, you know, within my, my work in the Convention on Biological Diversity, there are lots of uh, issues that are uh, addressed within the convention that are addressed al also elsewhere. So uh, being inland waters, for instance, it's also addressed in other conventions and by other IUCN programs. So the Ramsar Convention on Wetlands, for instance, does a lot of work, of course, that's the core of their, of their mandate on that issue. Mm. And the water program of IUCN also works in, within the framework of the Ramsar Convention, but not that much in the Convention on Biological Diversity. So they don't necessarily link up with me that much, but link up with other people um, that deal with that same issue. Mm. So yeah, sometimes it's, uh, it's tricky. Tricky because you're dealing with lots of issues. And exactly. They, right. And sometimes, yeah, the the message doesn't go in the same, you know, format, or it might be confusing for people if they see IUCN said so and so in the World Water Forum, and yet we didn't say the same in the Convention on Biological Diversity about water issues. So, yeah, sometimes can be confusing also. <laughs> right, right. And yeah. and how and how do you deal with that? Well, again, like it's it's um, trying to reach out to colleagues and say, hey, you know, this is happening, or somebody mentioned that you guys went uh, ahead and released a, a a policy statement saying so and so, and we weren't, you know, informed, or could we avoid this in the future by just let us know if you're heading there, we can give you actually some inputs to that, or inform you about this and that and sometimes it does work sometimes it doesn't <laughs> right yeah so yeah um, i guess the, the it shows the complexity of the different the issues that you are yeah. dealing with also exactly yeah. so why what would you say are the um, most exciting things about working for iucn <laughs> well i think that precisely the um, the breath or the scope of the different issues that IUCN deals with. Um, if you talk about the International Union for Conservation of Nature, there's lots of things that get involved, and sometimes people don't think that we work on, you know, uh, on people mm. also. It's not only about nature. It's the connection between na nature and people and human well-being. 
right. we're all part of the same planet and if we destroy it then we're destroying ourselves right um so the one of the most exciting things about iucn is actually its mission like uh, uh it's it's its mission statement where we head to to do what we want to do um but also the expertise that it brings about there's people that work for iucn either us uh, as part of the staff we're around a thousand i think mm. or more staff around the world the um, different issues is one thing but also um the geographical spread also where uh, we have offices in many many countries in the world regional offices in i think it is eight regions mm. in the like placed in different places um so you get to if you're lucky in a way uh you get to visit s some of those places but also uh exchange with the people that work there and it's a different perspective of uh of everything altogether when you travel to these regional offices or country offices uh they face other challenges uh and that's part of IUCN also part of IUCN is the the expertise that it, that uh, the commissions bring. Mm. We have six expert uh, commissions. This is around, I think, 12,000 people or something like that. You, of course, you don't meet them all <laughs> ever, but um, this is like the volunteers that work uh, on behalf of IUCN on the science behind uh, what we say, like the, the knowledge really. Right. Uh, so that is also contributing to your work as as policy officer then exactly exactly so that is uh, also uh, very interesting and also the governance of IUCN like the structure itself where um, we have members that are uh, from the states or governments hmm. and we have members that are from the NGO side so uh, that combination, it's very interesting for, the, for a policy person also. Sometimes it can be really frustrating because you cannot say things that you would like to say because you could offend, quote unquote, uh, one side or the other. Like, you cannot say this because this government will be upset and probably if it's a donor <laughs> government, then we're in big trouble. But uh, uh, you can also... Um, be saying something that it's not aligned with what our NGO members think, for instance. Right. So yeah, that can be also really challenging, but interesting as well. You have to learn to to play around with that. All right. So, um, um, I mean, a broad question. Mm -hmm. You you've been seeing um, basically this broad policy arena with it which is of course that you have lots of different stakeholders you, like you said you have mm -hmm. states you have other organizations um, for people who are interested you, you mentioned the number of, of competences or areas that you mm -hmm. need to be to be good at um, mm -hmm. if you if you look at IUCN I know that lots of our listeners would like to have some tips and advice on how to get a job with with IUCN. <laughs> yeah. Especially now when they realize all the exciting things that you are doing. <laughs> so, um, what kind of advice or, or tips can you share with them? 
Well, I mean, to get a, a job, uh, I think that it's uh, the tips are starting with the the basic that would go for any type of organization. I guess you have to monitor regularly the the official vacancies, like what comes out in the in the website as being advertised, so that you can apply uh, formally and go through the process. If that is the, uh, if there is something that interests you. But also, I would say, uh, connect to people or do uh, some sort of background uh, research. If you're interested in, in environmental issues, what is it the, that you're interested in? Uh, do a bit of a, a self-analysis, let's say, of which areas of the work of IUCN uh, would be interesting to, to address, tackle, work, work in and connect with uh, the people some i think that all most if not all of the of the contact details of you know the people that work under the different issues are posted online and you can reach out to these people sometimes of course they can respond back sometimes they won't mm -hmm. <laughs> because people have lots of things uh, to do and sometimes they don't you know catch up on their emails and stuff but hey, hey you can only try and connecting with people helps because also gives you, um, if you get to talk to somebody, if you have, you know, the chance to interact uh, with with somebody that is already working for IUCN, then that would give you a bit of um, more of a sense of what the work of uh, this person and working for the organization entails. Um, and I, I think that also don't don't be afraid to. First of all, ask, is there something that I could do? You know, is there uh, uh, a vacancy that hasn't been advertised and, and probably we're looking for people? But also don't be afraid to start in a learning position. Right. Sometimes people get discouraged because the only thing that they are offered when they knock on the door is, is an internship or a trainee position. Hmm. Uh, and yeah, I mean, depending on where you are, uh, it can be a bit frustrating, of course, to say, well, you know, I've, I've done so many studies and this and that, and, and um, I'm going to start just in the, in the lowest part of the, of the levels, let's say, in a UCN. But uh, it is a really enriching, you know, um, experience, and it can help move upwards with the right foot. Uh, chances are that you won't like it if <laughs> once you're in inside. So probably that's the best way to notice that uh, actually this is what not what you were looking for. So yeah, it, a learning position or a trainee position or an intern, it's it's always a good start. And you are uh, a good example of that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you you found your internship through your network and, and exactly <laughs> actually there to ask the questions. 13 yeah. years later, you're a senior policy officer. Exactly. Yeah. Great. So thank you so much, Sonia. This has been really a pleasure to, to hear all the things that you're doing as a um, senior policy officer with IECN, the challenges that you are facing and, and, and the frustrations and, and the rewards, of course. Um, <laughs> so is there anything final that you would like to, to share with us or any final advice to our listeners or, or yeah, anything? Well, uh, no, well, to thank you very much for the opportunity actually to share 
some of my stories with you. And uh, definitely, if you are interested, uh, don't hesitate to ask and, uh, and go for it. I mean, if this is something that is interesting for you, um, it's really rewarding uh, in spite of the challenges that you face. Excellent. Thank you so much, Anya. You're very welcome. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Sonia Pena. Sonia, thank you so much for joining the show. I want to remind you again about checking out Sonia's own blog post and read more about her work. You'll find all this plus the show notes, transcript of the whole show and not least some pictures, which will also give you a flavor of how Sonia's professional life looks like. All this is easily available at uandjobfinder.org forward slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.